Glory, 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 hallelujah, be unto our God. He is worthy, amen, amen. Do you know how excited he is right now? I still can't figure it out why he gets so excited, but he, he is God, and he loves it when we come together in unity. He loves it when we sing praises unto him. He loves it when we use the stringed instruments and we use the trumpet and we use the lyre and we use the, the drums and the high-sounding cymbals. He loves that. He said everything that hath breath, just praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What a good, good God we serve. Amen. And God wants you to be happy. I, I really believe that. I grew up thinking God was mad at me and God was wanting to send me to hell. And I was always trying to work so hard to get out of hell. And, and I didn't realize he's the one that did all the work to get me out of hell and get me into heaven. Amen. He's a good God. He deserves all our praises. He deserves all the singing and clapping and dancing and shouting. He said, he said worship me. Praise me with a dance. Somebody needs to get that deliverance right now. Be freed up. You danced in the club when you were in the world. Come on now. You danced to the, the tunes of hell. Come on now. And you danced for the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now I know us conservative dancers who never really got down in the club. We do this here now in church. But I, even, I think the Lord likes that. We could, he could probably say, praise the Lord with the jump. <laughs> praise God. He is worthy to be praised. Amen. Amen. He wants you to have a smile on your face. I think uh, the Bible says that uh, laughter doeth the heart good like medicine. You need to laugh some more. Some of you some of you too tight. You're too uptight. You squeak. Oh, man. You're so uptight, you take the oxygen out of the air when you enter the room. <laughs> I don't know if y'all heard about the new uh, Uber driver. Anybody in here ever ridden in Uber? Oh, wow. Any of you have ever driven for Uber? Yeah, okay. I don't know if y'all heard about the newest driver in Norfolk this past week. Uh, he picked up his first client, and uh, the client tells him where to go, and he puts it in GPS, and he's on his way. And uh, as he's riding down the busy road there, all of a sudden, the rider just reaches up and taps him on the shoulder. Well, the guy just lost it, and he went to hit the brake, but he hit the gas, and he spun the car around and went across uh, the two lanes and back over and 360, and it spun around up on the sidewalk. It came to a stop. And can you imagine the rider? And it's quiet, and the driver said, Man, would you ever do that? And the driver said, I just tapped you on the shoulder. He said, yeah, this is my first day driving for Uber, but the last 25 years I've been driving a hearse. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for laughter. It's doing our heart good. Our heart's getting healthy right now. Yeah, we got, we got the heart doctor in the house, and he'll probably confirm God's word. I'm sure he will, that laughter doeth the heart good like medicine. There's endorphins and things that are released when we laugh that helps us. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. When we were um, in Budapest, uh, Hungary, just several weeks ago, we flew into Europe there and to do some ministry and also go and pray, welcome Holy Spirit over as many nations as we could while we were there. Uh, we want to see a revival and a, a take place there. But while we were there, we landed at the uh, Budapest uh, uh, airport and had a car rented and uh, they gave us the key and we went out and got in the car. And when I sat there, here's what I saw. There we go. And, uh, and it was a uh, six-speed, and uh, for some reason or other, it was like three times or more higher to get an automatic transmission, and if anybody knows Pastor Rodica, she's going to squeeze a dime until it, uh, she's screaming, and she's going to make it work really, really hard. So, so I became the designated driver of a stick shift. Now, get it? I grew up on a farm driving stick shift. I used to have a car, but it's been over 20 years since I've driven one. So we all piled in and we're sitting there and, uh, and I flip it over to reverse and throw it in reverse and let out on the clutch and went forward. 
and uh, into you know, the building that was parked in front of him. It was like, oh, so it was like, nope. So I pushed it over a little further and up in reverse and let out on the clutch. And, and there again, we're running into the building. Now, here's our first minutes in Europe and got the whole family and everybody there waiting on me to get the car out the way. And I couldn't get the thing to go in reverse. And I remembered my car, it had a spring action that when you would get over, you'd pull it against that little tension and get over into your reverse. And mine was down to the right, I think it was. And mine was a five-speed. Where that six is was where my reverse was. But, you know, and I'm like, what is this? And as I play with it just a few seconds, I realized that under the knob was a collar and you actually had to pull that up. So in order to go back in reverse... You had to first go up to get it over in reverse. And, uh, you know, I've been, uh, as I was praying about this message, the Lord took me back to that incident and he says, in order to go in reverse, you had to go up. You had to go up and to get yourself in gear. And I want you to talk to my people today about reverse the curse. Reverse the curse. So we're going we're gonna to look at how God wants the curse reversed in your life. And it's going to take some upward motion to make that happen. Okay? So if you would stick with me here the next few moments. And I believe God's got a a word for us, not only as a group, but as individuals and for our family. And I want you to go ahead and get your spirit sensitive that I'm going to receive what God says. Now, if you believe it's what man says, you don't have to receive it. But if you hear something, if you hear the Spirit of God speak the Word of God through me, I want you to not let it pass you by. I want you to receive it. Because the Word of God wants to change your life today. The Word of God wants to turn your situation around and reverse the curse in your life. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 3, beginning at verse 4. And uh, we're going to look at an unusual personality who uh, God has shared some unusual traits and circumstances surrounding him. Uh, Not a whole lot is said about him in the Bible, but he is a key figure of the Bible. We're talking about John the Baptist Beginning at verse 4 of chapter 3 of Matthew, now John, or this is John the Baptist, John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. Father God, I pray that you would take this word and this message today, Lord God, and and let it be a double-edged sword that would cut right into our heart and bring about divine change in your divine will as we not only hear the word, but we align our tongue to confess the word that you give us so that we can say what you say so that we can have what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. John the Baptist comes in on the scene at a very, very unique time in the history of God's plan for his people. What we have is the Old Testament has closed out. And if you'll get in the book of Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, you will find the last word in the Old Testament is a curse. Uh, It ends with a curse. There's 400 years of a silent period. No one's heard from God. It's as if people wonder, did God really even care anymore? And then all of a sudden, here comes this John the Baptist on the scene who points out Jesus. And Jesus' first sermon, the first word of his first sermon is blessed. So we see that John the Baptist is the one God uses to take the hand of the old covenant and take the hand of the new covenant and become the bridge that bridges them together. So it's John the Baptist, this unique personality that we're looking at today, that in God's divine plan is the man whom he chose to bring us out of the curse, because Old Testament's last word, it closes, is curse, And then we've got him introducing Jesus, and Jesus' first word he preaches is blessed. So we're coming from the curse to the blessing. Anybody want to come across this bridge with me today? You want to come out of the curse into the blessings that God has for us? Well, let us uh, see what God has to say to us through the Scriptures today. We see as we study John the Baptist's life that he had a supernatural birth. Uh, His father was Zacharias and his mother was Elizabeth. And the Bible says that they were too old to have children. 
that it was physically impossible for them to have children because of their age. Now, if you would picture this, uh, they'd gone to church year after year after year, but they'd never reproduce another generation in the church. That was, their, that was their testimony. They couldn't turn around and see their children or their sons and daughters or grandchildren in church with them. But they didn't stop coming to church because they knew God had a plan for their life. And one day while Zacharias was in the house of God, the Bible says an angel of the Lord came to him and told him, you're going to have a baby, that you're going to give birth to increase, that you're going to give birth to anointing, you're going to give birth to destiny, you're going to give birth to another generation. Now, uh, I, I don't know uh, about you, but that would be quite startling, especially when it looked like it was supernaturally, it would take a supernatural act of God in order for that, for that to be turned around. And as I studied this, uh, there was a stirring in my heart where I believe that God wants to encourage someone here today that maybe have children who are maybe prodigals or away from God. And, and I believe the Lord wants me to encourage you that God is sending an angel, that God is at work, that God by His Holy Spirit is working in your children and your grandchildren's life. And don't you give up on God and don't you give up on going to church and don't you give up on being and setting the example like Zacharias was in the house of God. He was still setting the example. I believe this word is for you and you can receive that from Jeremiah 31 and 16 and 17 where God is speaking. This is the word of God. And God is saying, refrain your voice from weeping. Stop your crying. Get your eyes dried up. Dry up the tears. For your work shall be rewarded, says the Lord. God's speaking to you right now. He says, your work, your service, you're honoring me, you're worshiping me, you're giving into my kingdom, you're using your gifts in town. He said, it's going to be rewarded, says the Lord. And they, your children, they'll come back from the land of the enemy. And there is hope in your future, says the Lord, that your children shall come back to their own border. I give a word of God to somebody here today. Maybe it's for your children or your grandchildren. And you let that word. Let it become a double-edged sword right now. God said it, now you say it. That my children are coming back. That God is giving me my reward. That God is at work in bringing home the prodigal. That I'm not giving up on that son. I'm not giving up on that daughter. I'm not giving up on my grandchildren. There's a turn that is going to take place as the angel of the Lord is going by the word of God to bring it to pass in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, Zacharias, he made a big mistake that we must learn from that we don't make in that when the angel of the Lord told him about the miracle, just like I've just told you about the miracle of your children and your grandchildren coming in and those prodigals coming home, don't do what he did. He says, how will I know this is true? This is so impossible. This is can't be. How in the world will I know it's true? I'm old. This woman I'm married is old. Now, he was a, he was a bold man there. This woman I got here, she's old, and here I'm married, and I'm old, and what's going to be the sign to me? And the angel said, the only thing that can happen to keep this coming to pass with your attitude is for us to push the mute button on your lips. And he sealed his lips, the Bible says, for nine months. Now, how long does it take once a baby is conceived for that child to be born? Nine months. So he says, you're not going to abort this baby by your negative talk. You're not going to abort this baby by your faithless talk. You're not going to abort this baby by you trying to figure it out. I just can't see how God's going to do it. I just can't see how they're going to come back. I just don't see how this miracle is going to take place. Mute. Nine months. And this is a lesson for you. When God makes you a promise... He wants you to say what He says about your circumstances. you got to stop saying what you see about your circumstances. you got to stop saying what you feel about your circumstances. you got to stop saying what others have said about your circumstances. You've got one person that you need to parrot, and that is what God has said about the miracle. Hallelujah. You've got to say, I'm not going to talk defeat. I'm not going to talk worry. I'm not going to talk sickness. I'm not going to talk poverty. I'm not going to talk negativism. No, rather, I'm going to start saying what God says about me. I'm going to say what God says about my family. I'm going to say what God says about my future. And I'm going to say what God says about my situation. Hallelujah. If you've not heard the teaching on the double-edged sword, please go on Wednesday night's message. You need to get that revelation 
I, it, will, it will align you to start seeing the supernatural manifest of heaven on earth in and through your mouth in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I really believe our words have great power. I know they do. God tells us they do. I believe that when we speak in alignment with God's Word, then God backs His Word, which has now become our Word, and you will see His power manifest. So important that He put mute on Zacharias' lips. Nine months later, Zacharias is holding this little baby boy, and Elizabeth says, this child's name shall be John, because the angel of the Lord told me to name him John. Now, I know Zacharias, he's probably thinking, if I could speak right now, I would say, wait a minute! It is the custom and the tradition to name the firstborn son whom we've waited for for all these years after his father. I know the family were saying, no, you can't name him that. That is out of the norm. You, here, he should be named this. You've got to be careful when God wants to do something fresh and new in your life and people try to start giving you a name that relates back to something that has already happened. Do you hear me? People will try to name you, and in that they will try to frame you, and they will try to limit you. They may not realize they're doing that, but you better be careful how you listen to what others is trying to name you as. See, sometimes when you've come through a certain lifestyle or set of experiences, people will try to box you in and make you what they want you to be or what they expect of you. But I believe today that God wants to loose us and set us free from what people think and what people expect from us. Not to be carefree and not to be all independent and cocky in ourselves, but to be free that we can line up with what God has said about us and what God has named over us. And that we don't li live a life of limitation under the preconceived ideas and naming of other people in our life. I'm here to tell you it's time to dream bigger than you've been dreaming You've been allowing what others have named and you've been allowing what others have been saying and what you think that they're thinking to hold you back. And God said, I'm not pleased with your little living. I'm not pleased with your little existence. I created you for more than this. That's what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to you. I created you to do more. I created you to be more. I created you to have an impact and an influence. I have an anointing on you. I gave my Son to redeem you from the gates of hell that you might be an ambassador that ushers in the kingdom of heaven on earth. He says, I've got a lot invested in, in, in you and I want you to dream big. I love our Father's heart. He thinks of us better than we think of ourselves. He thinks of us grander than we think of ourselves. He thinks of us bigger than we think of ourselves. I think it's time that we say when someone comes in with limited talk in our life, we say, well, I'm sorry if that's the best you can do, but I'm just going to believe God and I'm just going to go to the next level that God's got for me. You can keep your opinion to yourself, thank you, but I think I'm going to live for the Lord. He, he died so that I can live, so why don't I live for Him? You know, you didn't die for me. You got a limited name. You got a limited mindset for me. You didn't die for me. You got your own self to worry about. I'm just going to account, account myself accountable to God right now and I'm just going to live out the dream and live out the and live out the destiny. My, my cousins have said, you come from there, you can't do that. I've got, I've got friends that said, you, I saw where you grow up, you can't do that. But my God says, I brought you through that so I could bring you into this. Hallelujah. I want you to dream big and believe God. He tells us, I has not seen or is it entered into the heart or even ears heard the things that God is prepared for those who love Him. Give us that scripture, 1 Corinthians 2 and 9 please. Yes, yes, your eye has not yet seen it. Your ear has not yet heard it. Your heart has not yet even uh, uh, contemplated the great things, the things that God has prepared for you. Hallelujah. Some of you have been bound your whole lives because people have named you. I know what it feels like. 
You've been bound your whole life because people have framed you. Believe you me, I know what it's like. And they said all these things about you. Well, your daddy was this or your mama was that. Well, let me tell you what. I got a new daddy. I got a new bloodline. Hallelujah. And my heavenly father, you can't find fault with him. And there is no searching uh, to the ends of the earth or even the ends of the galaxy to understand his wisdom and his power and his authority and his goodness and his mercy. And you know what? I'm going to live to please him. I'm going to live up to his reputation in my life. See, we thank God for our parents and we want to honor our past. But let me go ahead and say to you that as we honor our parents and we honor our past, this is a new season. And this is a new day. This is a new hour. And God is saying, I want some people who will believe me for impossible things that I can do in and through them. God said, I'm looking for some people who will believe me for the impossible, to, to believe me for the miracle I want to do in and through them. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for God's new thing. I don't want just any new thing, but I want God's new thing. I'm ready for God's fresh thing. Amen. I'm ready to break out in any way he wants me to. I'm ready to break into whatever he has for me. I don't want to look back on and, 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 and some old religious thing that's been around for 50 or 100 years and try to copy that. I want to say, let the living spirit of God who's here present right now, who wants to do supernaturally in and through me. I say, God, let your spirit fill this place. Hallelujah. Let your spirit touch this church, God. Let your spirit touch this my life and our lives. Let your spirit touch this city. Let it touch this region. God, let it touch this state. Let your spirit touch our nation. Let your spirit touch the world. Let your spirit free us, God. Free us from addiction. Free us from people's opinion. Free us from religious hypocrisy. And free us in the power of the blood of Jesus that we can be what we were created to be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And this is only going to happen when we begin to believe Him for new things beyond what we've seen happen before. You say, well, I've seen somebody's back get healed. Well, I'm ready to see a leper get healed. You say, well, I saw somebody's corn on their foot get healed. I'm ready to see a blinded eye open. You say, well, I'm, you know, come on now. Then what, what in the world is, is any of that to God with the power that he has? Hallelujah. Now, in the book of Judges, the Bible tells us about another peculiar guy named Gideon. And God has an angel show up and call him a mighty man of valor. Can you believe it? He's cowardly hiding in a wine press. He doesn't, he's, trying to, he's trying to dodge the draft. He doesn't want anybody to know he's even around. With all the violence and the warfare that's taking place, he's hiding there. And the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, you are a mighty man of valor. That's what the Bible says. But then Gideon starts saying, wait a minute now, I tell you, I've been named and I've been framed. And let me explain to you why I'm here. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. It's the smallest of all the tribes. And not only am I of the smallest of all the tribes, I am the least of the Benjamites. We are the poorest. If you look up poor in the dictionary, you've got my daddy's face. And there I, we are weak. And we don't have resources. I've been named and I've been framed and I have limitation. I could never do anything great. But God told Gideon to make a fleece and he'd show him that he was going to make Gideon what he called him. See, God doesn't wait until you become it to call you it. Let me tell you what. People will try to name you and then you live under the lid of what they've named you. The devil will try to use weaknesses in those that tell you how sorry you are, how ineffective you are, how unimportant you are, and, and then we try to live up to that low level. But God says, wait a minute, I come in and I call you for who I see you, for who I've created you, and I call, it, I call you that before you are that because I'm the God that can help you become that. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Some people say, well, I'm waiting until I get it all together. Let me tell you what, you better stop waiting until you get it all together before you step up and be used of God. He's already invested the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, to say you're going to get it together if you won't give up. You, got, you can't give up. You can't throw in the towel. You can't hide. It's time to rise and shine. It's time to be the men and women of God. It's time to stand up and, and let God's glory be displayed in and through your life in every way that God so chooses to do so. Hallelujah. Back to John the Baptist, this peculiar seed that God chooses. There's things the Bible says about him, not a whole lot, but the things that it does, I believe, are very important. One of the things we find, and I'm going to share three points about him, is that when John was, grew up in the desert, his mom and dad were old, so they passed away, and as a young man, I don't know what his circumstances were, but he ended up in the desert. But the Bible says he grew in the desert. What about you? You ever had a desert experience? You ever had where everything seemed to die and dry up? And it's like it was, it was a burden to try and exist. Everything was difficult, magnified. John grew in those negative circumstances. What about you? He had a promise from God of a supernatural birth through these elderly parents, and it came to pass. He had a supernatural birth. He was named by God. He was named by God rather than man, but yet he still finds himself in a desert place. Can you relate? You've had the promises of God. Maybe you've given your heart and life to Jesus Christ and you're serving him, but you found yourself in a desert place. It happens to us all. Even to Jesus Christ himself. If you remember when John the Baptist baptized Jesus and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came up in, on Jesus uh, as a dove and Father God spoke, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus now filled with the Holy Spirit so that he could show us how to live in the power of God as a man so that you know, he laid his splendor and glory down. Philippians 2, 5 through 11 tells us so that he could show us how we were to live and as he was our model. So he needed the Holy Ghost. So he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit leads him out of the baptism waters into the wilderness, into a desert place. And there the enemy tempts him. And the enemy lies to him. And the enemy tries to relabel him and even question the label that he has. If you are truly the Son of God, turn this stone into bread. And Jesus, using the double-edged sword, he took what God said and said what God said and he said, it is written, and he defeated the enemy and came out of the wilderness where he had grown in wisdom and stature. You can grow in the desert. See, it's when we're in our circumstances where things have dried up and things are a little uh, more scarce, it's then we can learn that our source is God. That our source is not other people because that dried up. There, it's not our jobs. Maybe your job dried up. It's not our own wit. You couldn't even talk your way out of it. You learn that your source is God Almighty. Oh, that we would learn that lesson. Oh, that we would understand that, that we would be rooted in that and never pulled out of that, that we are going to say what God has said about us. The Bible says John grew in the desert. This dry place, this uncomfortable place, this barren place, this place where things don't grow, he grew. God says that you are an oak of righteousness, a planting of God for the display of His splendor. The Bible says that we should be planted like a palm tree. A palm tree can withstand the desert winds. A palm tree can withstand the dryness because its root goes so deep and it finds a source of water that surface plants cannot. And its root is deep enough and its trunk is pliable enough that when the wind blows, it lays down, lets the wind pass, and then it stands back up again. There's something we need to learn in our dry desert places that we need to put our dependence on God. Oh, I know we all had our desert temper tantrum and we complained and we whined and we lost this and we lost that and we ain't got this and we ain't got that and this didn't work out and that didn't work out and this one left me and that one stabbed me in the back. Oh, we have our little tantrum and a little dust storm stirred up, but let me tell you what, you need to settle down and grow up. Amen? In the dry desert place, John 
grew up. In a place where things don't grow, he grew. There was a reversal of the curse. There was a reversal of the curse. Things aren't supposed to grow in the desert, but God says, I can make the desert bloom. God says, I can cause rivers to flow in the desert. And if you'll trust God and touch God, you'll have everything you need, even in a desert experience. Hallelujah. I know some of us have been brought up in situations and circumstances where folks say, how did he come out of that? You know, the Bible tells us that Jesus was a root out of dry ground. You too, as he is your elder brother, can be a root out of dry ground. Don't let your past, don't let where you grew up, don't let what you grew up without be the naming and the limitation of your life. I know some of you have come through some tough times and some horrible situations, but let me tell you what, if you'll turn to God, he'll help you grow through those. I want you to realize that if you're in a desert place, if you're in a dry place, and it seems like everything around you is dying, all of this is making you stronger if you'll hold on to God. You're going to come out mightier if you'll hold on to God. Keep your confidence in God. Still believe, still hold to your good confession of faith. And I'm telling you, when you come out, you will change. You can help turn the curse, uh, reverse the curse and bring out the blessing. John came out of this desert, came out of this desert and took hold of the Old Testament that ended with curse and took hold of Jesus who began with blessing and became the bridge so that we could cross over into it. Hallelujah. See, you know you're getting stronger when the things that used to give you a breakdown is now giving you a breakthrough. You can do a little uh, litmus test or uh, testing of your pulse to see how you're doing, uh, whether you're getting stronger or not. Because you know you're getting stronger when you used to call people when trouble came knocking, but now you call on the Lord. You know you're getting stronger when you used to get depressed, but now you still come to church no matter what your circumstances are. You still raise your hands and you praise God and you shout praises unto Him. That's when you know you're getting stronger. I want to tell somebody today you're getting stronger. I just feel it in my spirit by the, God, the Spirit of God to say there's some of you been coming through some stuff, but here this morning instead of at home in a fetal position in your bed, you said, I know this is the day the Lord has made and I'm going to rejoice and be glad and you got up and you washed that nappy face and you brushed that nappy hair and you got dressed up and you came into this house with a smile on your face and you said, wait a minute, ain't no devil gonna hold me back. No circumstance gonna hold me back. There's no wilderness gonna hold me back. There's no desert dry place gonna hold me back. My God is worthy. My God deserves some praise. My God deserves the glory. Hallelujah. And you came into the house of the Lord and you're praising through it. I know, I know. And God is saying to you, you're getting stronger. You're getting stronger. You're getting stronger. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. John grew in the desert. What about you? Second peculiarity I see about John here is John came out of the desert wearing a camel hair coat. Wearing a camel hair coat. What in the world did we need those details for? See, the scripture is very descriptive about John the Baptist and what he was wearing. And I believe this is on purpose where God is telling us some of these, uh, what he wants us to hear in these specifics. So I study, if he's wearing a camel hair coat, let's study the camel and what that means in the context of this time that John was in the desert. And the camel in that day and age is a beast of burden. An animal that carries heavy burdens. An animal that doesn't need much to stay alive in a desert place. Okay. Well, then why was John wearing a camel hair coat? See, when you're in a dry place, it doesn't take much for the camels or the burdens to come and show up and stay alive. They can live off almost nothing. The burdens can live off of almost nothing. They just like to be in that environment. When you're in that dry place, when you're in that hot place, when you're in that uncomfortable place, burdens love to be there with you. I'm here to tell somebody today, you may be questioning, why am I sick? Or why did this happen to me? Or why does uh, promotion always pass me up? Or why do I always get uh, looked over? Or why this and why that? That environment is a desert place. 
and burdens can live off of almost nothing in that environment. And you wonder why camels keep showing up in your life. These beasts of burdens, they follow you. They're all around you. Why are all these burdens attracted to me? You may, it may be because you're helping facilitate an environment that welcomes them. Burdens will show up in this climate. So here we have camels or burdens that thrive in this type of environment. They're best suited for the dry places. If you remember when we were taught how to cast out demons and Jesus says, be cast in dry places. Mm. That's where an environment where they can exist almost off of nothing. So if you're going to overcome camels or overcome burdens in your life, then let's do what John did. And he did, I, I say he had to do these four things. The first thing, he decided he was going to uh, domesticate the camel. He was going to tame it. He said, you come in here as a beast of burden. What I'm going to do, instead of me letting your burdens ride on me, I'm going to let myself ride on you. And he reversed the curse. He decided to say, devil, you're sending something negative. I'm going to use it for positive. Somebody needs to get that. Instead of, instead of building the environment, the devil sends you a, a jar of sand from the desert, a negative circumstance, and what we have the tendency to do is to spread that sand everywhere and start talking about that negative thing as though it is God and in control and going to tell us what our destiny is, and it opens up an environment that attracts all these other burdens to us. When we should say, oh, this is all you got, devil? Well, let me tell you what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn it over to God and God has a power of a turnaround. He's a turnaround specialist and what you're sending is evil. God's going to turn it for good. You meant this thing for evil, but God turns it for good. Hallelujah. He'll change the environment. You change the environments. He could ride the back of the burden or let that burden ride on him. He took the stumbling block and he made building blocks out of it. See, the opposition and setbacks are not supposed to set us back as a child of God. Do you hear me? They're supposed to help take us to another level. So if the enemy meant it for evil and God's going to turn it for good, then this is a good thing. Devil, you meant it for evil, but then God's going to mean it for good. I'm going to the next level. So here's what you got to do with these burdens. you got to tame them you got to say, the sorrows of life are going to serve me. Now, what you'll find out, as I have learned in life, when you get this revelation and you believe it and you start acting on it, the devil stops sending negative stuff your way. He says, I can't win. I can't win. The more negative I send to him, it gets turned for good. The more curses I try to speak over him, blessings come out instead. So I, and, and when he sees that, he's a strategist, and he says, I've got to go, and I've got to go figure something else out. And he'll go find some whining, crying, always talking about how God let him down and God doesn't keep his word. He'll find somebody like that, and some of them do it from the pulpit, shame saying, but they do. And he'll go get into them, and then everything gets worse and worse and worse, and their message gets louder and louder and louder, and Satan says, ha, my kingdom come. My will be done on earth as it is in hell. He's a copycat. So when you learn to say, the sorrows of life are going to serve me, the bad things that have happened to me, I'm not going to sit down and have a pity party and feel sorry for myself. Instead, I'm going to use them and God's going to take them and the purpose of God is going to be fulfilled in my life. I don't know why my child is sick. I don't know why I lost my job. I don't know why my marriage ended divorce. I don't know why. Listen to me. Listen to me. The only way that you're going to subdue the burdens of life and the only way that you're going to ride it is for you to get over it. You can't let that thing get over on you. you got to get over it. And once you get over it, you ride it as far as God wants to take you. And then number two, you kill it. You kill it. It's over. Burdens have an expiration date. I tell them, you, nope, sadness come in my life, you got an expiration date. My weeping is for but a short season. Let me tell you, but for the night. But joy comes in the morning. 
You got an expiration date. You think you're going to go into my July? You think you're going to go into my August? You crazy. You crazy. You got an expiration date. So in order for him to wear a camel hair coat, he had to kill it. He had to, he had to kill it. And then he had to skin it. He said, okay, I'm going to make use of you. You, I've used you while you were alive. Now you're, you're expired, but you're still going to serve me. And he skins it. He turned the negative into a positive. He says, I serve a God who reverses the curse. So he's skinning him. This is curse reversal. Curse reversal. Because number four, now he's going to wear it. He's going to wear it. And he puts it on like a badge of honor. Now it protects him in those cold nights in the wilderness, in the desert. And it protects him from the cutting sands that blow and the sandstorms that come. He is now protected by that. Let me tell you what, the devil's over there now having the pity party. The demons are having the pity party. We meant this desert to kill him. We meant these camels, these burdens to, to completely wipe him out while he's in the desert. And there he was riding it and he was up high and then he was, okay, your time is up. He killed it and now he's skinning it and now he's protected by and he's wearing it as a badge of honor, as a testimony. You see that God will bring you through the wilderness. God will bring you from the burdens. God will make the burden serve you. Come on now. I love it. I love it. Praise God. I'm telling you, if you would just sit for a few minutes and get out of your junk and get into the trunk of what God has given resources into your life and say, you know what? Man, if I can just remember all that God has done for me, if I could remember, yes, and get te give testimony to what God has done, man, if you can think for one minute here, something God's done for you miraculously, something God got you out of, God's got you through, I, you could break out in praise and it wouldn't hurt my feeling. You could break out in praise and, and I wouldn't mind it one day. You could say, hallelujah, thank you, God, while the devil had me down. Uh, you reached down and helped get me up uh, while the devil was taking me out. You reached in and brought me back in. Hallelujah! You can praise God in this house. You can give Him praise. You can bless Him. If any of you have conquered His past burden and now you're in the protection of the body of God, you should let the world know. You should let your brothers and sisters know my God is a good God. My God is worthy to praise. I'm going to wear it. I'm going to wear it. Hallelujah! They had me counted out. They had me down and out. But my God has raised me up and I'm not going down I'm going up I'm not going back I'm going forward I'm not going to be held in the it's, hallelujah I'm not going to be held back by the circumstances of life hallelujah hallelujah he came out of the desert wearing wearing the camel hair coat the sign of the beast of the burdens hallelujah and then finally, he was eating locusts dipped in wild honey. I don't know what locusts taste like, but I tell you what, if it's got some honey on it, it's probably edible. Praise God. Locust. Now you think that's just, okay, he had a weird diet. No, God is telling us something here. Locusts in the Bible represent plague represents disaster. Just about the time that they would go and harvest their crops, the locusts had been waiting and now they would swarm in and they would devour their crops. And everything they had worked for and everything they had invested in and everything they had served to do has been now robbed from them by the plague of the locusts and they have to wait for a whole new season. This is where some of you are, where you've prayed and you've sown and you've believed and you've confessed and you've secured your biblical reference point and you've stood on the Word of God and you've declared it and you've activated your faith by doing something and, and just about the time you were ready to reap that thing and you, that you were believing God for, it's like, a, it's like a swarm of locusts came in and devoured your harvest. And now you're there looking in shock. Like you've got to wait for a whole new season. I like John. I'm telling you, I like John. Oh man, as I study him, I like John. 
There was an anointing on John that says, I'm not going to wait until the locusts come to my field to destroy my harvest. I'm going out in the dry places and I'm going to eat them for lunch. Hallelujah. That's a reverse of the curse. Instead of letting the curse eat me, I'm going to eat it. Hallelujah. I'm going to devour the devourer. The devourer thought he was in charge, but he didn't know I got some teeth too. And you might not be that tasty, but I'll put some wild honey on you and I'm going to eat you. You're not eating my stuff. I'll eat your stuff. Hallelujah. And he devoured the devourer. Hallelujah. With some wild honey. I believe the Lord is saying you're going to devour what has been coming to devour you and it's going to taste good. I believe the Lord is saying it's time for some of you to have some sweet taste of victory in your life. You've been thinking failure too long. You've been thinking disaster too long. You've been thinking lack too long. You've been thinking famine too long. But God is showing us here through John what He wants to do for us. He wants to give you a taste of success. Do you hear what I'm saying? God wants to give you a sweet taste of success. God wants to give you a sweet taste of blessing. Somebody say, I'm ready to eat it. Hallelujah. He wants you to taste being the head and not the tail. He wants you to taste being above only and not beneath. He wants you to taste how it is blessed going in a city or blessed going in a field. Hallelujah. He wants you to say, my God is big enough to do anything. And every mountain has to get out of the way. Hallelujah. God wants to give every one of you, every one of us, a sweet taste of victory. Praise God. You've been allowing yourself to get defeated. Because you've had setbacks. I believe God sent you in this house today, His house, to tell you, yes, maybe you've been in a desert, but He wants you to know that I love you. I have a plan for you. And let's work the plan and get you out of the desert, out of the curse, and bring us into the blessing. Hallelujah. He wants you to take the things that have been sent by the enemy to destroy you and turn... Turn them around and demand that they serve you. They were sent to destroy you, but they're going to serve you and they're going to usher in God's plan and purpose for your life. He's going to cause you to experience a reverse of the curse. To have the power to devour the devourer. Hallelujah. A sweet taste of victory. Anybody feel it? I'm just licking my lips. Pastor Rodica talking about 4th of July and barbecue and we start licking our lips. Let me tell you what, when you start talking about the sweet taste of victory that comes from God, hallelujah! I'm talking about a sweet taste of victory. Praise God. I know Satan's tried to devour your marriage. I know he's tried to devour your children. I know he's tried to devour your health and your wealth. But God said, I'll restore the years that the locust and the canker worm have taken away. I'll restore it unto you. Hallelujah. So you can can join me right now and let us declare this. Go ahead and declare it as I say it. I'm going to say it and then you say it. My burdens are going to serve me. I'm going to ride them. And after I ride them, I'm going to kill them. And after I kill them, I'm going to skin them. And after I skin them, I'm going to wear them as a testimony that I made it through by the grace of God. What the devil meant for evil, my God is turning it for good. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Would you stand with me? Would you stand with me? I believe today God wants to reverse the curse and turn it into a blessing in your life. I believe that with every fiber of my being. You may feel like you've been in a desert and you may feel like you've been cut off, but today God is reaching out His hand of mercy and His hand of grace. I say today God is saying that I will restore the years that the enemy has stolen from you. I want you to rise up. I hear the Spirit of the Lord say in your spirit, I want you to rise up and devour the devourer by the grace and the power of God. And when you've done that, you'll say, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now what I want to do is I want to open this altar for anybody that's had the desert experience steal and take and rob and hurt and bring pain in your life and you need some restoration. There's things that has caused great pain and, and you're not going out of here carrying that pain. No, sir. You're, today is expiration date. It's today. It's time for it to go. 
and you need some restoration in your life. I don't know if it's in your health. I don't know if it's in your finances, if it's in relationships, but you want to believe God for the activation of restoration in your life. I want you to just come stand around this altar. And we're going to have a closing prayer. And it's going to be a prayer of activation. I'm going to pray over all that come. A prayer of activation. Hallelujah. I believe the Spirit of the Lord says as we declare it and decree it to be activated, that it's going to be released over your life, over your family, over your health, over your wealth, over your relationship, over your coming and your going, that there's going to be an activation of restoration. 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 The enemy stole it, but God says, I'm giving it back to you. I'm making the enemy pay it back sevenfold. You're not you're, you're gonna go get back more than you lost. You're gonna get back more than you lost. You're not gonna lose any years. You're gonna get back those years. Hallelujah. You're not gonna be at loss at here. He says, I want to give it back to you. Restoration uh, to be activated even now. Hallelujah. So here we go. We want to pray for an activation of restoration. And we want to start on this end right here in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Lord God, as we are here on the south end of this altar, Lord. Lord, as you see every one of your sons and daughters that are standing here, Lord God. Maybe the enemy has come in and, and, and come against their health. Or maybe came against their finances. Or came against their children. Or came against their mental stability. Or maybe came against their emotions. Uh, 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 fortitude Lord God whatever it is whatever it is I hear your spirit saying activate restoration so Lord God I pray the spirit of restoration by your Holy Ghost right now would begin to restore every area as I move Lord God from the south of this altar as I move across every person Lord God I'm just a representative and I'm just your voice piece Lord God activation of restoration let that activation of restoration it's coming back to you it's coming back to you it's coming back to you good measure pressed down shaking together running over it's coming back to you Lord God as we move up to the north end of this altar right now Holy Spirit do what I cannot do do what I cannot do let it be an activation of restoration right now in the name of Jesus miracle working power resurrection power in the name of Jesus Lord God let your spirit activate right now activate restoration Lord God restoration in their health restoration right now in the name of Jesus restoration restoration in their family restoration in their children restoration in the name of Jesus Lord as I you use my mouth to be the activation Lord God let there be the activation of reconciliation and restoration in the name of Jesus all the way here to the north end of this altar in Jesus name Lord God cover each and every one now by your spirit Lord God fill them with your spirit afresh and anew fill them Lord God oh just say welcome Holy Spirit the spirit of God that's bringing a restoration in my life restoration in my health restoration in my family restoration in my relationship with God but just go ahead and say fill me Holy Spirit spirit of restoration fill me Holy Spirit I welcome you now I welcome you now yes Holy Spirit I want you in all of me Holy Spirit I give you all of my heart all of my soul all of my mind all of my strength fill me Holy Spirit afresh and anew hallelujah as I recommit and do that right now say God I rededicate my life to you go ahead right now say God I rededicate my life to you I want to live for you Jesus you are my Lord Jesus you are my Savior Jesus you forgive me of my sins I repent and I turn to you God and I want to consecrate and dedicate myself to you Lord God so in the name of Jesus by the power of the Spirit of God right now rededicate yourself say Lord I want you to have all of me Tell him right now, God, I give you all of me. Hallelujah. Just tell him, Lord, all of me. All of me. And I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, don't you let age in any way cause you to put a limit on what I've called you to do. Whether you are two years old or whether you're 200 years old, do not, do not let age. Don't think you've expired. Your burden has an expiration date. But my calling on you is without repentance. It does not have an expiration date. And I still want to do great and mighty things in and through your life. Hallelujah! 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 Can somebody give Him praise? Hallelujah! Can somebody give Him praise? Oh, the God who reverses the curse! Who reverses the curse. Lord, we praise you. The God who reverses our curse. In Jesus' name.
Hallelujah. Praise His name. Praise His name. How about turn to somebody and give them a hug and say, you're blessed of the Lord. Go ahead and tell them, you're blessed of the Lord. Go ahead and tell them, you're blessed of the Lord. Go ahead and give somebody a hug right now and say, you're blessed of the Lord. Release it on them. You're blessed of the Lord. Hallelujah. May God bless you and go with you into this week. Hallelujah. By the grace and the power of God.